Well, let's get in our Bibles this morning, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. A couple of weeks ago, we began on uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10, and we talked about brotherly love, and I'm not going to touch on Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 again, but I just want to read it in context, because Romans 10 kind of is a prequel to what happens in 11, 12, and 13, and so we'll read that here in just a moment. But, you know, I, I'm reminded sometimes that uh, we really, uh, we're, we're called as Christians to display the love of Christ to others, aren't we? And, you know, in our lives, God has called us to this. And matter of fact, Jesus, while he was here on earth, remind us of that in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. And when he, when he talked to us and, and he shared some of these words, let me open there. I think it's on the screen behind me, but you can read with me. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you'll love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. Then look at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. It says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly, what is that word, church? Love. Amen. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Let's stop and have prayer together. We love you, Father, and we're thankful for the Word of God. Thank you for the power that is contained in it, and this morning we're looking forward to hearing how that your Word will challenge us to continue to uh, be really a display to all the world that we are your disciples. May you just uh, allow the Holy Spirit of God to have full rule and reign here this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. There was a junior stock show uh, uh, that was going on, and, and this young lady had uh, won a grand champion award with her little lamb, and boy, she was so excited about it, and, and you know, at the end of a stock show, they have to auction the, the critters off at the end of the show, and so this little lamb uh, was put up for auction, and the girl stood out there with her little lamb, and the lamb was bleeding. You know how they'll do just real quietly, and, and you could see the little girl start to tear up in the corner of her eyes, and, and she was... Uh, she started to cry a little bit, and the auction started, and it started at $5 a pound, and boy, tears started really coming down her, her, her face, and next thing you know, the, uh, the, uh, the bid started going higher, and next thing you know, it was selling for $10 a pound, and, and it just kept going higher and higher and hell, higher until finally the auctioneer slammed down his gavel and said, sold for $1,000, and boy, by this time, she was really wailing, just really sad and brokenhearted. And uh, the, so the, the person who bought the, the lamb was so moved by her, uh, just her compassion and her love that he gave the lamb back to her. Years later, somebody was reading in this young lady's journal and they found out that she was not crying because she was sad to see that lamb go. She was crying because she was sad to see, uh, or she was happy to see it sold for so much. As a matter of fact, she wrote in her, uh, in her uh, diary later that day, she said, I was never so happy when daddy barbecued it that night. You know, we think about some things and we, we think, man, this just doesn't seem right, you know? And you, we think about the display and love to one another, and sometimes it get, kind of gets like that, doesn't it? You just you think you're doing good, and next thing you know, it just all blows up in your face, and sometimes life is like that. But, you know, we consider the truths of the, of the Word of God here, and I want you to see in verse number 10, God says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. And as he talks about this, he begins to explain it a little bit in the text. And so we're going to pick up in verse number 11, because God begins to really to explain to us what he's calling us to in brotherly love. So if we're going to really display love, we've got to be willing to serve one another. Now, we think about service, uh, you know, uh, most of the time we think about, I can go for a 
oil change, they have my car serviced or something of that nature. But really the mindset here was that of a slave or a servant. And today we're, we, we're almost afraid to say that word, but let me just remind you that God is calling us to really to serve with that kind of a spirit and that kind of an attitude. is really, it's not about me and it's not about what I want and what's convenient for me, but it's about you. It reminds me of a preacher who was home one day and his wife said, will you help me wash the dishes? And he says, really? I don't want to. Anybody, any other men like that sometimes? Be careful. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Tolbert, both hands. <laughs> You know, we don't like to do dishes. None of us do. That's why we... <laughs> He's getting holy, holy loose on us over here now. <laughs> Somebody give this guy some Ritalin or something. I don't know what he needs. But we think about this, and, and you know, we don't really like to serve one another. And so his wife, she, she got on him and started, started telling him, Now, I'm telling you, it's biblical for you to do the dishes. And he says, I'm a preacher, and I've never heard any, the Bible say anything about me doing the dishes. And she said, oh, yes, it's in there, Second Kings chapter 21 and verse 13. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. <laughs> you know, God calls us to serve one another, and serve one another can be a joyful experience and a joyful thing. And, you know, this woman didn't have the, have the right context, and she didn't maybe understand all that, but she did know that she wanted her husband to serve. Amen. What a great blessing that is. And so let's look at this together. In verse number 11, he says, Not slothful in business, he says, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let's look at a couple of things together. First off, let's see that God calls us to care for the work. Not slothful in business. The word slothful literally refers to those who are slow or idle or destitute of promptness of mind and activity. Literally, they're not engaging in what they're doing. And sometimes we can get slothful in our, in our service, not just to one another, but also to the Lord, can't we? Man, the distractions of this world are so intense. Uh, there are so many things that, that, that clamor for our attention today and that just beg for us to, to, uh, to pay more attention to it than we do the Lord. And I think that's why Paul reminds us in Colossians 3 to set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. The Lord knew that we'd get distracted so many times. And, and so... God reminds us through the, through the scriptures that he's called us to work, hadn't he? How many of you enjoy Monday mornings? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see those people that get up and they're excited about Monday morning, get to go to work, get to, get to serve others, and you get to get that spirit. Sometimes, though, most of us are like, oh, it's Monday again. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. I'm going to really uh, put a damper on your spirit if you're like that today. Genesis 2.15, you know God called Adam to work, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He said, Adam, I've made you, now go to work. Is that encouraging? Probably not. But I want you to see that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives, and that includes labor, and that labor is a good thing, I believe, because in, even in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3, when we get to heaven, it's not just going to be playing our harps on our clouds, is it? Instead, we're going to see that God calls us in the very last part of this verse, and His, and his servants shall serve Him. We're still going to have a purpose in heaven. It's not going to be about sitting down, relaxing, and watching television or our favorite sport, but instead we're going to continually have a purpose even when we get to heaven. So work is good. I enjoy work. I, anybody else, when you get done working with something, and you see it built, or you see it fixed, or you see the job completed, you step back and you say, wow, that's pretty awesome. Asa and I, we uh, got to go down to see mom and check on her this week after which she got a bad report. And 
So while we were down there, uh, they have a Rockler woodworking shop in Arlington, Texas. Anybody ever been to Rockler? Okay, you don't know what you're missing. I'm telling you what, it's like almost heaven on earth when you go into Rockler. Okay, for woodworkers it is anyway. Maybe your heaven on earth is a Tanger Outlet Mall. I don't really know. But for me, it was walking into a wood, into a wood store with money to burn. Amen? And so I walked into this store and I said, I've got $200 and I know what I'm buying. And so we walked into this store and we, got to, we picked out some tools that would allow us to turn some pins. We've never done it before. Some of our guys in the church, I think Brother Doran, Brother Ken, have turned some pins before. And it was just beautiful. And I look at that and I think, man, that's something I want to be able to do. And so we got down there and bought it, and we turned, brought, brought it home and turned our first pin. Asa's chest was a, popped out to here, and he was, he was walking around real proud of himself, and I was just as proud for him. I tell you what, work is good, isn't it? You know, the Bible talks about work and the importance and the value of it. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8. God talks about work, that work helps us provide for our family. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own household, he hath, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. He's talking about provision through work. And it's important that we recognize that God calls us to provide for our families. And so we go on and we see that New Testament Christians were instructed as well to continue to care for the church and to labor in the, this work of the church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse number 10, it says, For even... When we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And he's talking about in the, even in the church that people, if people are going to work, or if people are going to eat, they've got to work. I think that's a good welfare, welfare program. And as we consider, consider this, God calls us to make sure that we labor with our hands. It's a good thing to work. It's a great thing to be able to, to say, you know what, God has called me to this. I have a purpose to get up for. And you know, just because you're retired doesn't mean you're done working, right? Many people who's retired reminds me, I'm busier now than I ever was. I probably our most recent retired person is Pastor Tolbert. How busy has Shirley got you right now? She's working on it. <laughs> Amen. You know, that happens, doesn't it? We, we just change gears when we retire. We still, we still have a purpose and we still have a plan. And I love that no matter your job, no matter where God puts you in your life, that it's not just a job, but it's a ministry. It can be scrubbing toilets. It can be dealing with crazy uh, uh, children or teenagers at a, in a school, a district. Let me just remind you, God has called you to this, and it's a ministry. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, one of the verses that I remember we had to memorize when I was in Taekwondo, it says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily uh, as to the Lord and not unto men. It's, a, it's an attitude. It's a ministry. It's a desire to demonstrate a Christ-like spirit in everything that we do. In the 1880s, a young man uh, who was an earnest Christian found employment in a pawn shop. And although he, he didn't like the work, he did it faithfully uh, unto the Lord until a more desirable opportunity opened for him. Matter of fact, to, to prepare himself for a life of Christian service, he wrote on a scrap of paper the following resolutions. I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have a few minutes, not less than five, in private prayer. I will endeavor to conduct myself as a humble, meek, and zealous follower of Jesus. And, my, and by serious witness and warning, I will try to lead others to think of the needs of their immortal souls. I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters in God's Word every day. I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and, and will re, yield myself a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the word, world. 
The name of that man who wrote that down in this laborious career was William Booth. God used him to found the Salvation Army and lead literally thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Let me just encourage you. You may not enjoy what you do, but you can see it as a ministry. It can be a ministry, a labor of love. And God calls us here, He says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The greatest business we have is what God's called us to here at Hillside Baptist Church. The greatest business we have is the business of seeing souls saved for Jesus Christ. And I'm so praying and so asking God that He would allow us to continue to see that go forward as we try to walk and follow Him together. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And so God calls us, let's walk worthy of this vocation. Let's walk worthy of the, the place that God's called us. And so let's make sure that our work in the house of the Lord is not just mediocre. It's not just as good enough for government work, but it is excellent because it's for the Lord. Everything that we do, everything that we say, I want it to give God the glory. And he says, fervent in spirit. If you look at that word fervent, it means literally to boil with heat, to be hot. God calls us not to be lukewarm, right? Remember the church of Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. He talks about it and he says, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I, would, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God says, I want you to be on fire for him. Man, God calls us to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is a passion that's born because of our love for Jesus Christ. Amen. Throughout the, the years and many, many years past, we've seen different revivals that have come to our land. There was the Great Awakening, was a revival that swept through Protestant Europe and British America in this 18th century. And thousands of people sought a personal relationship with God. The movement lasted for about 20 years before, before it died off. And then there was a, another great revival, and it was the second great awakening, and it was in the 19th century. And yet another in the late 19th century and the early 20th century, which some historians have, have considered calling the third great awakening. And so we know that revival is possible, and we know that God desires for our spirit to be revived. But the question is, how are we revived? How are, how are we to see revival in our hearts? And how are we to see revival in our churches? And how can we see God at work in tremendous ways and, and people walk in the aisles to be saved? And how can we see just these tremendous stories that we've read about from the past be reality in our today? The sad story is, is that today many church members are apathetic toward revival. Apathetic maybe toward, uh, toward the Lord. I, I want to say that at Hillside Baptist Church, we're not that church. I think that here at Hillside Baptist Church, we hunger and thirst for revival, that we desire for God to do a great and mighty work in our midst, that we might be a part of, doing, uh, of what God wants to do. And so how do we see revival? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 16. Turn there with me. I want you to look there with me in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we recognize that Paul is dealing with some, some areas of, uh, of just great affliction in, in, their, in our lives. And he comes to verse 16 and he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 
No doubt that there are, there are times in our life and in our ministry and in, in uh, our, our life that we experience great times of affliction. Sometimes it's outward affliction. Sometimes we experience this uh, that, that comes upon us on a daily basis. Maybe it's a work, a situation where we have to deal with someone who's not saved and, and boy, it really uh, grates on our nerves. And, you know, how do you deal with somebody who's unsaved in that manner? Or maybe there's just, uh, you, God's called you to do something you maybe don't enjoy. And so the, all these different things that come to us, or maybe there's a strife in a, a relationship issue, that no matter what it may be, sometimes there are, are times in our life where we experience um, times where the outward man grows weary and has a desire to just faint. But I'm reminded here in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, the inward man is renewed day by day. How do we experience revival? It's the little things that we do on a daily basis. You know, we have revival meetings, and oftentimes, uh, especially as a young man, I've never experienced it, but I've read and I've heard stories about, well, we used to have revivals that lasted, it would start a week, but then they would go for three or four or two months even. Uh, You know, and, and we think about some of those things, even as a young man, I think, Lord, is that even still possible today? But I'm reminded that when we allow God to renew our inward man day by day, no matter the difficulty that we may go through, that we can experience revival in our life. It doesn't have to be a big, fantastic meeting. It can be a, that daily walk with God, that daily investment. And it won't be a big uh, firework explosion every morning when you get in your Bible. I tell you, there's so many mornings I get in my Bible and I get my Bible reading, and as I'm going through, there's, there's not that big revelation, oh, something brand new came out. Anybody hope for that every day? I do too. But it's not like that every day, is it? In reality, what happens is a lot of that just sits with my, my subconscious. And throughout the day, it, I meditate on it. And it's not something that's real big and explosive, but it's changing me day by day. Because I've chosen to be renewed by the Word of God. I've, been, I've chosen to be renewed by my prayer life. I've chosen to be renewed by witnessing on a daily basis. And let me remind you, those little things will make a big difference in renewing your spirit. We don't need necessarily great big meetings. They help. What we need is that daily desire to be renewed day by day. More than anything else, the little things make a difference. Think about the little things that make a difference in your life. Think about a cold winter morning. Just come in from outside. Maybe you've been working or maybe you come in uh, from pushing snow or something like that. Anybody cold enough yet? Now, your fingers are about to fall off. You think they're about to fall off. That's how it is for me. About, come from about November to March, I feel like I'm going to freeze to death. And that hot cup of coffee. Anybody else get an amen to that? That is a good thing right there. Or how about when you come home from working all day and, and what greets you at the door is maybe your smiling puppy with a wagon tail. Or maybe, if you still have little ones in the home, that little two-legged puppy comes running up to you. I tell you what makes it so special, doesn't it? Those are little things. Or maybe on a hot summer day, you've been working in the garden, you've been working at your job, and you pick up that cold, refreshing bottle of water. Man, speaking of, anybody else thirsty in here? <laughs> Listen, sometimes something small like a note of encouragement can mean so much. You know, it's not those big events, it's those little things that make a difference in your life. Listen, revival comes as we devote ourselves to the long haul. 
Not in, doing, not in doing the big things, but in doing the little things. They don't seem to make a difference, but over time, they will draw us closer to the Lord. When we commit to saying, you know what? Not, not slothful in business, but instead fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's when God can do the amazing in your walk with Him. If you're going to serve faithfully, it must come because we're willing to work for it. It must come because we're willing to enthusiastically give our life to what God's called us to. So let me encourage you. Maybe God's called you to wash toilets as your line of the work. Then do it as if Christ himself were to use them next. Amen? Maybe God's called you to be a mother. Take heart because you have one of the greatest callings of all of us in here because you're shaping the next generation and as a result have one of the greatest jobs. Maybe your job seems more important or less important. It doesn't matter because no matter the position, God's called you to serve faithfully one another. So husband, serve your wife. Open that door. Show her the affection that God wants you to show her. Be that, that, uh, that knight in shining armor she wants you to be. Wife, let me encourage you, serve your husband, support him, and, and encourage his desire to serve his Lord. And if you're a child in here, what, you know what I'm, I'm always amazed by? God calls us to honor our parents, doesn't he? But he never puts an expiration date on it. Our entire life we're called to honor mom and dad. Honor them even as they die, honor them as they live, honor them through all aspects of our life. So let's do that. Let's make sure that we serve one another that way. But I'm also reminded here in Romans chapter 12, not just to serve, but also to praise. Romans 12 and verse 12, look back at our text with me. And so it says here, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, not slothful in business. In verse 12 he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. There is nothing like the blessings of praise. Look at Psalms 100, please. Psalm 100 in the, in the Old Testament. Psalm 100 is a fantastic psalm. If you've never memorized a chapter before in your life, this is a great one to memorize. We're tempted to memorize 100, Psalm 117 because it's only two, chapter, two verses long, but Psalm 100 is really short too. I know you can do it. But Psalm 100 is a, just a great attitude of praise for us. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with what, church? Gladness. Come before His presence with what? Singing. It says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with, what is that? Thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations what a great psalm of rejoicing today and listen when uh, when paul was writing romans 12 he said rejoicing in hope and for us of all things we have the greatest reason to rejoice today because we have the great hope of resurrection don't we what amen all right let's try that again we have the hope of resurrection Amen. Yeah, we're awake now. So, man, it is the greatest thing that we can do is to see that this, the trial that we're in right now is just for a short time. Man, when we're in the trial, it seems like a long time, doesn't it? When we're going through the trial, it seems like this will never end, but we're reminded that God is at work even in the midst of the trial in greater ways in the midst of the trial than He is when we're not going through it. Look at James with me, please. James chapter 1. Tremendous encouragement here from, uh, from James as he wrote uh, the book of James. I'm just so encouraged by uh, this book every time I get in it. 
And I encourage you to take some time and meditate on the words of James and let, him, let the Lord teach you and, and uh, grow you in your walk with the Lord. James chapter 1 and verse number 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may per- be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In verses 2 through 4, God gives us uh, what seems like uh, just a conundrum. Fall into, uh, count it joy when you fall into temptations. Does anybody else sing, think that that seems backwards? But the truth of the reality is it is exactly spot on. It is exactly right with what God, uh, with what God knows to be best for us. Because we have hope in the midst of the trials. We have hope in the midst of the, of the temptations. When he talks about temptations here, there literally means trials. And so when you go through different trials in your life and temptations, God is at work in your life. And so we're, we recognize that, that God reminds us that we can rejoice in the midst of our trials. Sometimes we don't understand it. No doubt there are trials that come and we think, Lord, why in the world now? Or why in the world this? Or why in the world is this going to happen? But let me remind you, rejoicing in hope. We can rejoice in the midst of the trials today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's desire for your life is when you go through that trial, give Him thanks. It's easy to thank Him for the good things, right? Woohoo! Just won the lottery. Shouldn't be playing. But let me just say, <laughs> if you just won, what, you would be excited, right? Maybe somebody gives you a brand new truck. Woohoo! Somebody gives me a truck, or somebody gives me a home, or whatever it may be. If somebody gives me five dollars. Woohoo! I'd still rejoice with that. We get excited over those things, but you know, sometimes we don't always get real excited and thankful when we go through trials. Think about through the trials of your life, and you. When you're in the middle of them, sometimes you feel like you're alone, don't you? When you're in the middle of a trial, you think, man, this, is, this, this can't get any worse than what it is right now. But you're almost afraid to say that, right? Boy, and, and you go through that trial and you think, Lord, I always think this. Okay, Lord, you're teaching me something, so let me learn it quick so it can be over. Amen? <laughs> but you know, God is at work in the midst of those trials, and that's why He reminds us, even in the midst, especially in the midst of the trial, Rejoice. Give thanks. Make it a practice to praise God for the pain, to thank God for the rain, and to rejoice in the hope of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 4.12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding Joy. Even Peter, when he wrote this, he had gone through great trials, and even in his life, in his ministry, he was going to go through incredible trials, but he was reminded that in, just as we go through those trials, God is faithful in the midst of it. So what does rejoicing in our trials produce? You think about a few things with me, if you will. When I view them as valuable opportunities, these trials, when I view trials as valuable opportunities to be sanctified, then trials become essential for me. They are great opportunities for God to work in us and through us. And when trials come in our life, man, we get encouraged at the backside because we see that God was at work all the way through those trials. 
And so let God work in you and be willing to rejoice in the midst of the trial. This is what one author said. He says, I rejoice, re therefore I rejoice right in the middle of the trial. Tribulation or trials refer to any event or situation that comes your way that tempts you to sin. That opportunity for sinful thoughts and temptations to rise up in you. He says, the tribulation or trial arises when your mind to serve God struggles against your lust to sin. It is also, also often refers to difficult situations that test your ability. He says, more, even though it may be difficult on a human level, because I have a higher goal in mind. Even in the midst of this, we recognize that God has a better goal. God is trying to finish the work that He has started in us. Romans 8, 28 reminds us, and we know that all things work together for uh, good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Let me ask you today, can we trust God? Amen. You know, do we always understand our trials? No, but we can trust God. And I think that was an important lesson for Job in the midst of all that he went through, is that though he went through so much, he learned that he could trust God, and he was faithful. So let me encourage you here just to, be, uh, just to love, love the Lord, rejoice in hope, rejoice in the midst of the trial, be patient in tribulation, let God teach you, let God grow you, because God, that's what God's desire for your life today. Anybody ever like to pray for patience? And mercy, amen. He likes to pray for mercy, amen. You know, but I think about James chapter 1 and verse number 2 and verse 3, and he says, he says My brethren, count it all blessing when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh, what's that word, church? Patience. Patience of the believer and for the believer. We don't want to pray for patience, do we? Why? Because we know what's going to happen next. We're going to get tested. How do we get patience? We go through the trials. But let me encourage you this morning that God doesn't speak of this as bad. And the trials aren't bad, but instead they're good. They draw us close to Him. Imagine this. Patience teaches us how to handle people. Your, your wife or your husband, boy, there's sometimes your spouse really can grate on your nerves. You ever notice that? Now, my wife never gets on my nerves, but I'm sure I do on hers quite often. But let me just encourage you that if God teaches you through the trials, He teaches some patience on how to deal with them. How about that waitress at the restaurant? Man, you, you know the one I'm talking about, the one that's rude or hateful, and boy, you just, you just wonder if they didn't spit in your food before they brought it out. Amen. Amen. You know, we think about that patience. God calls us to have patience with them. Why? Because they need Christ. They need to be saved. And so patience is produced through the trials. So let God work in you. Let God work through your trials in your life. I found this. It says, although things are not perfect because of trial or pain, continue in thanksgiving. Do not begin to blame. Even when the times are hard, fierce winds are bound to blow. God is forever able. Hold on to what you know. Imagine life without His love. Joy would cease to be. Keep thanking Him for all the things love imparts to thee. Move out of the camp of complaining. No weapon that is known uh, on earth can yield the power praise can do alone. Quit looking at the future. Redeem the time at hand. Start every day with worship. To thank is a command. Until we see Him coming, victorious in the sky, we'll run the race with gratitude, exalting God most high. Let's have an attitude of praise. Let's have an attitude of rejoicing together. I tell you, that, that can change the relationships that are around you. 
I've seen many people uh, complain about relationships with, with those, and, and I just ask them, when was the last time you complimented them? Well, there's nothing to compliments. You know what I mean? Bless their heart. I can say anything I want to because I said bless their heart. That's right. How about Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10, our theme verse for today. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. We're not going to get all the way through our outline today, but I do want to share with you on part one today that God has called us to two main things in, from the Scripture. First off, we need to recognize that God calls us to serve one another. Serve the Lord first and foremost. Serve one another with gladness and joy in your heart. And then not only service, but also God is calling us to praise. Praise the Lord. Praise those around you. But let me tell you, the greatest display of affection we've ever seen is the affection that God showed to us when Jesus died on the cross. Every week I share with you about this because I believe in the power of the cross of Christ. Every week I want to remind you that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what God has done for you is that He has willingly offered His only Son to die in your place on the cross so that you can have a home in heaven, eternal in the heavens. And so today I invite you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never accepted Him as your personal Lord, then today I want to invite you to come receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know that you'll have a home in heaven when you simply bow and ask. By faith, believing. Christian, maybe your relationships are in turmoil. You know, sometimes you take for granted the fact that everyone's family is like your own. But the reality is everyone's got different circumstances in their homes. And let me just invite you, if you're experiencing great turmoil in your home and your family today, why don't you come to the altar and say, Lord, I know that, that it's not all uh, my spouse's fault or it's not all the, the, the problem of my children. Lord, I'm, I'm involved in this too. Lord, forgive me in those areas where I have forgotten to praise them. Forgive me in, in, those, in this trial where I've forgotten to praise you. Forgive me, Lord, for not serving like you've called me to serve. Forgive me, Lord, for these areas. And ask God to give you the strength and the courage to love like God's called you to love. This morning, I invite you, would you let the Lord work in your life? Would you let the Lord work in your heart?